Have you ever found a bug or an error or even a spelling error in one of the systems that you were using? Suppose you were on the internet and you find an article that, that you really found interesting, but it had some spelling errors that totally changed your mind about the validity of the information that was being portrayed to you. In healthcare analytics, you will see this more often than not in systems that are being used, that there are bugs that are just rampant across an entire system that many people use. And it makes me, as a user, question the credibility of the system I'm using when there is a bug. And this could be something as simple as a spelling mistake, a calculation error, etc. You are listening to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast with me, Caleb Loya, and Tatsuya Murao, who works behind the scenes tirelessly to make this podcast happen. So back to the story. I often incur or encounter these bugs and or errors, and what bothers me the most about it is that they can be avoided and or fixed. These errors can translate into millions of dollars in lost sales or millions of dollars in correct information. I had a friend who works in engineering and he found an Excel calculation error that rounded only to the second decimal instead of the fourth decimal place. And so what that meant was that for his company, they were withholding millions of dollars over the span of four or five years that could have gone to their customer. And you think, oh, that's not a big deal if it's just a small rounding error. But over time, those errors can add up to millions of dollars and they can they can lead to big mistakes that were often overlooked. So in this episode, I'd like to go with you through a few steps that I have taken as part of our team at Arcos Analytics to go through quality assurance testing and make sure that the quality assurance testing that we do is robust, it is deep, and it is accurate so that the end user can then trust the tools that they are using to make better decisions. The first thing is that you need to make sure that your product meets its highest standards. And in order to do so, you need to make sure that every step along the way is tested. Because if you don't test at every milestone or at every feature, then once you compose them all together, then you don't know which parts need to be tested and which parts don't. And so as you are working through a project and as you are leading an analytics project, you need to make sure that testing is done at every step. Because if not, you can get to the very end of the project and not know where your bugs or fixes need to be. And at that point, it takes a lot of digging to make sure that that happens. And even so, we will get customers and or clients who have used a, a product for a given amount of time and they ask questions like, hey, why is this data show this way? Or why is this showing in this manner? And sometimes these edge cases are very, very difficult to detect as you are building out a product. But what you need to do is you need to take into account all these edge cases and or all the anomalies that you think you would encounter and compensate for them. I'm not saying that you can get to a zero error rate when it comes to the end product, but you can at least get as close as possible. Because once you get as close as possible to accurate product, then what will happen is that you will build trust with your customer, with your internal team, and with everybody involved in the project. There are two categories of QA testing that I would like to emphasize in this podcast. The first is front-end feature testing. And this relies on the question, does it act the way it should? 
And so if you are building an entire system that involves front-end users, then you need to make sure that the front-end features are acting the way that they should. And oftentimes in big organizations, you will have somebody fully dedicated to testing front-end features. And that will be their entire role within the company is testing to see, does this feature act like it should? Why not? And then dig into the reasons why. And so that's really simple is, does it act the way it should? And a user will know that more often than not, or somebody who's testing it should put themselves in the shoes of the user to then make sure that the tool that they're using is acting the way that it should. The second is what we in analytics most likely rely on and or make sure is at the highest quality. So if the first is front-end user testing, then the second is data accuracy testing. And this answers the question of, is this tool showing the correct information? If the tool is showing the correct information, then it can be trusted to make better decisions. And so if you have a report that you are looking at, you want to make sure that the information that you are looking at is near perfect. Because if not, then how can you really rely on this to make better decisions? And in finance, in analytics, in healthcare analytics specifically, you will have cases to where you look at a specific report and you will say, hey, does, does this make sense? Does this data jive? Are these numbers actually reflective of what I'm seeing out in real life? And if so, then you can look at that report on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis and make key decisions. But if every time you look at the report, you see that a number is off or a decimal isn't in the correct place, or if a spelling error shows up when it didn't before. If all of these things happen, then any leader that is looking at a report or a piece of information will then question that piece of information. And this kind of data accuracy problem is very, very frequent when it comes to using Excel for reporting. And the reason why is because Excel requires at least a minimum amount of manual effort to get the end product out to a leader or the user. And so you will have somebody who spends four or five hours trying to develop a report that requires them to make specific calculations and drag and drop different information and different pieces of data into a specific folder or file or whatever else. And all of those steps that it takes to manually make that information available will then increase the error rate. Because if somebody knows how to do a report, that's all good and fine, but suppose that person isn't there, then somebody else will need to fill in and know how to do that report. Or, or there are a given number of situations where I have seen Excel fail because many people are using it and it's fundamentally a manual process. And that's why I recommend using and elevating the level of analytics from an Excel-based platform to something that's more automated, that uses a database and uses data visualization tools and uses data pipelines. Because then when you are speaking to a user about a data accuracy problem, then it comes down to a process of what process is being used to process this data or what process is being used to make sure that this data gets to the customer. And so you can look at the fundamental calculations, the way that a table in a database is built, the way that a pipeline is built. And you can look at all of those different things and say, well, this is the thing that has broken the process and we're going to fix this process. When you're using Excel, you can't quite do that because 
the process often involves a human in the middle. And so that human in the middle can distort what that process actually looks like. And so you can ask, hey, what's this process and why is this accurate? And it could be, well, I didn't put the right number in. I should have put a two, but then I put a three and fat fingered it or, or whatever. And that happens all the time in Excel. I'm not saying that data accuracy doesn't happen in more robust or automated systems, but it's less likely to happen. Going back to the question of data accuracy, how do you make sure that the user trusts and relies on the data because it is accurate? One of the things that we have found is that when testing before it gets to the user or testing at each feature to make sure that the data is accurate, what we do is we make sure that we try to test against the third set of data. So if the first set of data is the data that you're showing the customer, and the second set of data is the data that you're using to show the customer, the third set of data is an independent data source that can then verify if the report or tool that you're using is showing the correct information. And so to give you a full example, what this means is that suppose I am building a report using a data automation tool like um, Azure or AWS, then the end product will be a report that looks like an automated report in a visualization tool like Power BI, Tableau, or any given number of, of tools. And so given, given all of that, what you want to make sure is that when you're making a report, you're using the correct information. And so the information you're using is most likely going to come from a database. But that database is then using data that is being fed to it from a, any given number of sources. And so the first source of data is the, the data that you're using to show the customer. The second would be, in this case, the database that is being fed information. But what you really need to do is you need to test out the database data and the report data to a third set of data that's independent from the system that you are using. When you are able to test against a third set of data, then you can truly trust the data because you can say, hey, we're actually getting this data from an accurate location where everybody trusts that source of data. Often, that source of data is not fully available, but if you are transitioning from a current old report to a new report, then that old data that you knew and you trusted before can be used as that third set of data. And so if you are transitioning from, let's say, an Excel-based model that everybody knew and loved and trusted because it actually showed the correct information, as you are building out an automated system that uses a database and a data visualization tool, then compare that data that you are using in the database and the data visualization tool to the old Excel report that was used before because everybody trusted that third party or that Excel tool. But what you want to do is you want to automate it so that it takes less time than it would have been in Excel. And so once you test against a third set of data, you can then build confidence before you build the whole product as, a, as an entire piece. And so if you are building, let's say, one report that is part of an entire project, then you can rely on knowing that, hey, this report is most likely accurate because we compared it to a third set of data. I would like to explain beyond just the two types of QA testing, which would be the first is front-end feature testing and the second is data accuracy testing. How do you make sure that the process of QA testing is robust and strong and reliable? And so whenever we do any work at Arcos Analytics, we make sure that every feature is peer reviewed or tested by a peer in our, in our dev team. 
And so if I'm working on a specific report or specific data set, then once I'm finished with that, then I will first send it off to somebody in the dev team to say, hey, can you take 5, 10, 15, maybe 30 minutes to check this to make sure that you don't see anything that's that's inaccurate? And they will check it and usually they will have a few different questions about why I did it this way or why is this calculation the way it is? And even that check is very useful because what it does is it prompts me to ask the questions that I may not have asked but taken for granted. And so if I'm building a calculation, they would they would ask something like, why did you build this calculation this way using this table, etc.? And if I don't have a good answer, then I'll have to go back to square one and really ask, okay, why is this calculation the way it is? And so that first level of peer review can eliminate 50% of the errors before it even hits somebody outside of the dev team. And what this does is it helps us understand what's going on within the project we're working with, but also it helps us build confidence in our ability to do work. And so this process of checking each other's work, I think, is very, very effective. After the peer review process, the product leader can then take the report and make sure that it reaches the highest quality for that specific feature. So what that means is that a product leader will then take a feature and or a function that sometimes looks like an analytics report or will look like a data set or will sometimes look like a user feature such as a click of a button, etc. And they will then go through a series of steps that allow them to make sure that the feature and or function that was developed is 100% accurate and works as it should. And there are a few different ways that I have seen this done, but one of the most effective ways is to go through a process to where you check to make sure, first of all, that everything works as it should. And so all the dropdowns, all the features as far as clicking is concerned, all of the different user front-end user things work as at the front-end. And so this could be filters, this could be search bars, this could be a given number of things. And so that's the first thing that I would check. After that, then you need to make sure, more importantly, that the data and information that is being used is 100% accurate. And this involves a process of going to that third set of data that is independent of what you are using and checking that third set of data against what you are portraying in your analytics report or project. And once you do this, then you can check for a given time range, a given customer set or whatever else, whatever that data set is, you can take a chunk of that data and you can compare that chunk of data to the third party set of data for that same range. And so if you're looking at data for a specific customer or a specific client set or a specific set of patients, then you can compare that set of data to the third party set of data in the exact way. And after you do this, then you can go through a process either using Python or Excel or whatever to make sure that the data that you are using in your analytics project is 100% accurate against that third party set of data that was already trusted. Once you can prove that it's 100% accurate against that third set of data, then you can present this feature to an internal team or to a customer team to say, hey, this feature in function is ready because we've tested it by how it should work and by the data accuracy. After that, then you can move on to other features and functions that need to either be tested or developed and go through the process again of wash, rinse, and repeat. And if you can master these specific steps, then you will build confidence in the work that you are doing in your team and the way that the project is going as a whole. 
The goal is to build confidence throughout the development process and QA testing is the best way to build confidence because what it does is it allows everybody involved in the project to have a quick peek into the progress being done, that it's being done at the very highest quality that it could. I can't tell you how many times I have had to inherit a project that there has been no QA testing done. And so they will send us a complete piece of work and say, hey, this data is accurate. We have all the features and functions we want, but the data is accurate. It's not working like it should. There are bugs, etc. And after that, then it is very hard to then rebuild it because then we have to re-engineer the entire project because it wasn't built well in the first place. And QA can make sure that at every step, at every feature and function, that you know that it's reliable and it stands on its own. Feel free to reach out to us on any ideas or concepts that you think have been essential for you and or you are curious about. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Be sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast as we are ramping up through the end of this year. Thanks, and we'll talk to you later.